Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. Turn to Romans chapter 6, verse 9. We'll read a short text, uh, two verses actually from Romans in a bit. Now, I'm going to ask a question, but I want to warn you ahead of time, don't raise your hand because... Um, this might, you know, I just, maybe you wouldn't want everybody to know this. I'm just saying. But uh, how many here believe in Bigfoot? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Right? All right. Uh, is, our, is our slide working? There he is. Ha, ah, yes. All right. I was looking for it. I didn't see it there. But, you know, I don't know about you. I, I know there's people out there that it, with all intent, they believe in this guy. They believe in the big guy. Uh, but I have my doubts because I keep reading scientists are finding all these forms of life and little insects and little fish and all kinds of things that you've never heard of before, a new species, a new, new little breed of this or whatever. And after all these years, there's not one shred of DNA on Bigfoot. So I'm, I'm just saying, I hope I didn't hurt anybody's feelings, but I'm just not a Bigfoot fan. I just can't believe there's a seven-foot-tall ape somewhere around the Pacific Northwest that nobody's laid eyes on yet, okay, <laughs> for real. And so... Um, but how, okay, so again, don't raise your hand because I don't, you, you just don't want to come out with this, but Loch Ness Monster, yay? Oh, somebody got excited, yeah, you think it, you know, I, I don't know about Loch Ness. We, there are some creepy things down in the depths, aren't there? You know, every once in a while you see a picture of something that washed up on the shore of some island someplace and it's like, that is creepy. Why do people even go in the ocean ever again? I mean, just stay out of there. There shouldn't be things like that down there. But, but you know, I, I, here's how I believe Loch Ness came along. I think there was some guys in a pub and they had a bit too much to drink and they got to telling stories, fishing stories, you know, and it got expanded. And then all of a sudden people heard about it and started showing up right? And they realize, oh, this is good. This is a moneymaker, you know? And there's tours that you can... My brother went to Loch Ness in Scotland a couple years ago. He literally did, got on a boat, looked for the monster, never found him. And so, I don't know. I don't think... Uh, have you noticed, though, with these, these things like uh, Bigfoot and Loch Ness that they're, um, the pictures are always grainy, right? Really grainy pictures. But I want to show you... I have an absolutely very clear picture of the abominable snowman right here. So... <laughs> So this, this is proof. This is proof. <laughs> How about UFOs? Again, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Years ago, I was talking with my brother-in-law, and he uh, told me about a, a time he was hunting in eastern Oregon, and he described something that, that you know, it was, it sound, he, he had detail. He was telling me all kinds of stuff. I was like, wow, that's really interesting. And when I was about six years old, my mother told me a story of, of, uh, that she thought she had seen a UFO. And she, she actually drew it on paper. She said what, what it looked like, the shape of it, and all this stuff. Although this was the 60s, and I believe if my mother was alive today, she might admit that drugs or alcohol might have played a little part in that. But uh, sorry, Mom, but that's just how I... Because I remember as a six-year-old being skeptical of her story. I'm just being real right now. I just didn't think, I didn't think that was real. But we all wonder about it, don't we? I mean, we wonder, people talk about life on other planets, and uh, scientists now, I mean, even recently, in just the last couple of decades, have ha they, the, the ability they have to look into space and find star systems that have um, planets around them. They're able to identify the size of the planets. They're able to tell if they're, uh, you, know, um, you know, would be somewhat hospitable to life one way or the other, with, not with clarity, but with some idea of, like, guesswork involved in that. 
that. And uh, they talk about being in the Goldilocks zone, uh, which it means it's, the planet isn't too close to its sun and it's not too far away from the sun. It's uh, not too hot and not too cold. You get what I'm saying there, right? The Goldilocks zone is where, and that's where planet Earth is. We're right in this spot, this incredible spot between, uh, you know, in, in our sun or just the right distance away so that we can have liquid water, we can have frozen water, we can have all the things we need for life right here on this planet. And, um, and, uh, but, but there's so much more to finding life on other planets than just finding a planet that happens to be the right distance from the sun. In fact, some uh, astrophysicists have gone at lengths to try to calculate the, amount, the chances it would be if there were life, uh, a, a planet suitable for life, knowing the things we know that life needs to sustain itself. And there's so many factors that, that some have said that the chances statistically are so close to zero that they're basically zero. So, so from a scientific standpoint, it, it stands to reason scientifically that this is the only planet in the universe that can sustain life. And that, that's interesting, but I don't know for sure. You know, it could be that there's more life out there. The truth is that nobody knows for sure. So far, there really isn't any evidence, even though they say things and they say this and that, building blocks of life, but, but there's no evidence of other kinds of life out there. But here's what I think about it. I think God is so infinitely amazing in his creativity that why wouldn't he create other beings on other planets, right? I, th I think that's very possible. See, on the one hand, the universe is so enormous, you would think that he would fill it with all kinds of unique creatures, right? But on the other hand, God is so awesome and, and loving toward human beings, and, and we've become this, this pinnacle of his creation, the, and he puts everything he's got into human beings, which is so special. On that hand, I can see him creating an entire universe just for us. See, he's, he's awesome in both ways, is what I'm trying to say today. He's incredible. And since I have no proof of the former, in other words, that there's life out there, I, I'm just probably going to stick with the fact that I believe that this is the only planet with life, but I just don't know for sure. Here's what I do know. I know that God is real. I know He's real. I know that He created all things. And I know that, that even before the moment you and I were, were conceived in the womb, that God knew us. And not only that, the Bible teaches us that, that while we were being conceived, that He, I love the words it uses, it, He wove us together or He knitted us together in our mother's womb. He was putting us together piece by piece just the way we ought to be. This is what I know. Here's something else I know. I know that Jesus Christ gave his life, listen to this, just once. Just once. And that he rose from the, from the dead on the third day. The scripture that I mentioned earlier, Romans 6, 9, and 10, says this. It says, for we know, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin. Here's this phrase, once for all. Once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. This phrase, once for all, is a technical term for the definitiveness and the uniqueness, the singularity of the death of Christ. It was a once for all, it was a, it's, it's a very technical term for that. And, it's, and it has to do with its ability, the death that he died, his ability to save us from death as well, as Rhonda mentioned earlier. See, when Jesus rose from the dead, it was forever. It, he, 
he cannot die again. You know, there, there have been others who have been raised from the dead. We have stories in our Bible. There's a guy named Lazarus who was a friend of Jesus who was raised from the dead after being dead for four days and his family's weeping all around and, they, and Jesus raises him. From, he comes forth from the tomb. But can I tell you, Lazarus died again. What a bummer to go through that twice. That does No. But because Jesus never sinned, death could not hold him, as we sang a moment ago. Hallelujah. Death couldn't hold him. In fact, it says in Acts 2.24 that it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And here in Romans, we just read, it says that death no longer has mastery over him. He died once, and that was it. He died once, and he did it for all. Now, so I don't really believe that there's life on other planets, but according to the Bible, there is no other life in the universe that, other than human life that was so precious to God that He would give His only Son for it. Do you understand? So even if there is life that's out there, and I don't know if there is, I'm telling you today that you were special enough to God that He would give His only Son to die for you once for all. And Jesus did this. He died once. He only died once. He'll never die again. He can't do it for another population of other beings someplace because he died once and he did it once for all. For every person, for all time, and for everything that was wrecked because of sin. Just once. Just once. In the time before the cross and the resurrection in what we call Old Testament times, the sacrifice for sin that had been committed, it was a daily thing. The Bible teaches us that the priest every day, day after day, would have to take sacrificial lambs and rams and other kinds of animals. And because human beings had sinned, these animals' lives had to be taken because there is no sacrifice unless blood is shed. But then the, the New Testament turns that around and we sang today. You might, if you're new to this, you're saying, why are we singing about a lamb? What's that? That seems weird to me, right? And I understand that if you haven't thought it through. But the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. He is the one that walked in into a one-time situation and His blood is powerful enough that it takes care of all sin for all time, for here and forevermore. It's absolutely incredible. Just once. Just once. As I was thinking about this and looking things up and thinking, I ran across this product, a car wax product called Just Once. But let's be real. Let's think this through. If once was enough, it would be a stupid product. Right? You do your car once and, man, I... Your car looks great. You don't need to wax it anymore. I guess I'll throw this bottle out. I don't need it, you know, just once. That's silly. They would go out of business because people would only ever use it, wait for it, once. There's multivitamins called just once. Wouldn't that be great? One. Done. Now, now, now I think they mean once a day. But that's too close. They couldn't call it one a day because there's already a vitamin called that, right? So they were trying to be cute and they called it just once or, you know. But it isn't just once. And don't you love it when parents tell their kids, I'm only going to tell you once. <laughs> and then they tell them again. Right? Are you with me? See, I've got to be real with you and I think we'll all admit, we humans are not really great at once. We, you know, 
We, we, we fudge when we say once. We, we, we're never right there. But can I tell you today that God is a God when He says once, He means it. And when He talks about His Son dying once for all, He did it once and only once. This is reiterated in the book of Hebrews. If you look at the screen, you'll see this text. It says, otherwise Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. You're tracking with me so far, right? This verse goes right along with what I'm saying. But he has appeared once for all. Say that with me. Once for all. At the culmination of the ages. To do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time. Not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. He is coming again. We talked about it last week, didn't we? Once for all, Jesus gave his life for us. And I tell you today, there is no person on this planet that is too far away from, from the reach of God's love and salvation. There's no one who's done wrong, so much wrong that God cannot reach you. There's an interesting phrase in the Old Testament that says, and it's, it's repeated several times, it says, the Lord's arm is not too short. Now, now, uh, you know, you might think, well, did they picture God as having like T-Rex arms or something? You know, like he can't quite get out there. That isn't at all, of course, what it's talking about. But, but the fact is that, that there are, there's, what it means is that there's no one, there's nobody anywhere that's too far from the reach of God. He loves you. He cares for you. Ephesians 2, 13 reiterates this. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So his arm of salvation has been extended to all, and all are within his reach, everyone. As I thought about this, I re was reminded, I thought of this scene from the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You know, I'm old enough that that still seems like it was, you know, uh, just a recent movie. <laughs> and uh, I, I can't even believe how old it is now. But no doubt you've seen the reruns, but if you haven't, uh, the, near the end of the, the whole movie, there's a scene with a character uh, named Elsa, and uh, she's obsessed with finding the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail is supposedly uh, the cup that Jesus drank from when he did communion and all that. And, you know, th that's another, like, Loch Ness monster kind of a thing, I think. Because uh, to actually, for that cup to have survived, likely it was made of olive wood and uh, never would have survived this long, even if it had been saved. But uh, I, I doubt very seriously that uh, there is really one out there. But anyway, the stories abound. And so there's this holy grail, and she's after this thing. And she's warned not to take it out of where it had been because there's a curse and something's going to happen. And there, that, so what happens, she begins to take it anyway, and an earthquake comes. And she is separated from the cup and begins to fall into a terrible abyss. I want you to watch about a minute of this movie, and I'll tell you more about it.
shoot Dad. Indiana. Indiana. So this, this, this illustrates our, our condition that we are in. We, God is reaching out to us to save every single person. His son died on a cross once for all to save every single person. But sometimes we're so enamored with the things of this world, right? We're reaching for something else. We think, well, I want my life the way I want it rather than what God is offering me. Are you catching my, my idea here behind this? And so we... we gravitate towards our own wants and desires. And this describes the person who is unsaved, an unbeliever, who is clinging on to their life as, it, as they imagine it and thinking, why would I want to give my life to God but, but not believing that He has the best interest in mind for them. But it may apply also to us who are believers who are also sometimes, don't we gravitate towards things of this world and, and reach out for things that we ought not to be involved with? Come on. If you're, if you're real, you're going to give me a better amen than that today. So, so, yeah, thank you. So, uh, so uh, even for those, uh, again, who are already believers, we're sometimes reaching out for things we shouldn't be. And God is saying to us, let it go. Let it go. Let go of your old way of life. Let go of things like the sin that easily besets us, whatever that might be. Let go, let go. And God is saying to every person here today, uh, whoever you are, He's saying, give me your hand. Let me save you. Reach out to me. We have all sinned, the Bible teaches, this is true. Because of that, we're dangling over the abyss. And some might say, well, I don't believe in God, or I don't know if I believe in God. But every single person as a child begins to understand this idea of right and wrong, don't we? I remember, <laughs> even if you're not taught specifically, I don't remember being taught specifically not to cut my own hair. But at age six, I found a pair of scissors and thought, wouldn't that be cool to give myself a haircut? For whatever reason. Isn't it, this, this story repeats itself a lot, right? I mean, I'm not the only one, I'm sure. I won't ask again for hands. But, but I, I, and, and I, I started cutting my own hair, and then all of a sudden it sort of dawned on me, whoa, dude, that was wrong. <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. And I ended up hiding. I remember uh, I had the scissors in my hand, and I heard my mom coming, and so I hid behind this big chair. <laughs> she said, Sal, where are you? And I finally had to come out, and I had these big bald spots on my head where I had like why would you do that it doesn't make sense but somehow inside of me there was this innate knowledge of good and evil where does that come from unless there's a God where does that kind of thing come from and here it's a familiar story this story of doing wrong and then hiding oneself you can find it in Genesis where the original two people on this planet, Adam and Eve, where, where they realized they had done wrong immediately. When they, it's, here's what you've got to understand. God said, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, any tree, big garden, eat away, enjoy yourself. He, see, he is not a killjoy. He's, he's all about having a great life and having everything you need and everything you want, really. He's, he's about that. But at some point, he says, there is this one tree. See, difference, every tree, one tree. He says, there's this one tree that you're not to eat from. Don't eat from this tree. But of course, human nature, we run behind the, the, the chair with the scissors. We go to the tree that has that fruit. And God says, that's, that's, that's the one you shouldn't go to. And so, so He's not withholding anything good from us. But, 
but this is what happens. But as God always does, and I love this about God, He doesn't just let us sin and run off and, and die because of that, but He comes after those He loves, and He comes out to them, and, he, and sin must be dealt with for sure, that has to happen. But our response then is to confess that we've sinned, and we say, yeah, you're right, God, I blew it, I'm wrong. And if we do so, the Bible says He's faithful and just and will forgive us for all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then He graciously forgives us, reaches out His hand, and pulls us away from the edge of the cliff. Pulls us out of the abyss. Thank You, Lord. Once for all. Once for all. I'm going to ask the worship team and choir to come back. This salvation is for every person, for all time, and for everything that's ever gone wrong. Salvation is for everyone. Did you hear me say that? Salvation is for everyone, but here's the second half of it. But it's not automatic. It's not automatic. It doesn't just happen because you're a human being. It happens because you make a decision. God's hand is extended if we will hold on to Him. It says in Isaiah, as I mentioned earlier, one of these verses, it says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. So which way are you reaching today? Let's think that through. Which way are you reaching? The answer for, for everyone at one point in their life or another is to finally come to the place where you say, I agree with God that I've sinned. And then reach out to Him and, and believe that Jesus did die for you once for all and was raised on the third day from the dead. And as we do this, we choose to make Him Lord. We put Him in charge of our lives once for all. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your Word today and for speaking to us from it. And Lord, thank You for the opportunity we have to celebrate today the incredible fact of Your death, Your burial, and Your resurrection. Thank You that without the resurrection, we would be hopeless. We would be lost. But today we have great hope because of all that you have done for us. And so today, as we pray, God, I pray that each person who's been here today, who's heard the words of the songs and has heard the words of the gospel, the good news message today, that each of us will be uh, uh, moved in some way by it, Lord. For those who already believe, I pray that we'll be moved to a better relationship with you and a desperation to spread the good news of all the good things you've done. And Lord, if there's any here among us who don't know you, God, and who have never made you Lord or maybe have wandered away from the faith, I pray that in this moment that decision would be made to receive Christ, to, to accept that once for all that has been done for them because salvation is for everyone, but it's not automatic. So in this moment, I just want to ask you if you're here today and you have never made Jesus Lord, or maybe you've wandered away from the faith, and you say, Pastor, I'd like to pray with you, and, and we will, we'll pray together. But if you're here and you want to receive Jesus as your Savior today, you want to make Him Lord of your life, you want to accept the sacrifice that was made for you, if that's you today, would you be bold enough to raise your hand right now? And we'll just lead you in a prayer just in a moment here. If that's you, go ahead. Just lift your hand nice and high. Thank you, Lord. Just looking around the room real quickly. We don't ask you to raise your hand to embarrass you in any way, but just simply for you to have an opportunity to agree with what you've heard and say, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for you. One more chance, looking around the room. Thank you, God. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. Good. 
Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. And uh, I would invite you, every single person here, to pray this prayer with me. And as you do, if, if it begins to ring true in your heart, and maybe this is for the first time for you, then, then believe what you say and uh, salvation will come. Let's pray a prayer of salvation together. Everybody repeat after me. Heavenly Father. Everybody repeat after me. Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending Jesus. Your only son. To die on a cross for me. Thank you that my sins. That separated me from you. Are forgiven. As I ask you now. Forgive my sins. Jesus thank you. For giving your life for me. And helping me to believe and to live for you. I do believe you're risen from the dead. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Praise Center Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.